It is good to see everybody at church this morning. Hallelujah. What happened to our warm weather? It's going to warm up this week, later this week, and I don't think the forecast that it's going to get colder again until winter time. So uh, some of you that are that like a change, this was a great change. I was able to get out my jacket again, and I found things in the pocket that I'm glad that I wore one more time, or I would have lost it. So it's a good day. You know, this morning, I am praying, as Paul did for the church in Ephesus, that you would get the spirit of a spirit of wisdom and revelation that you might know God better. Now, now this morning as you come to you came to the church, you had to make choices to get a, get out of bed and, and put on your clothes and I'm glad you put on your clothes and then you came to church. But but you're here. That that's a choice that you made. You know, this morning I I, I picked up some uh, espresso beans down at Axiom Coffee and. I've been taking my coffee a little bit a different way this morning instead of that, you know, the smooth Americana that I usually do. And and uh, this morning, you know, in a few minutes, we have a special speaker. He's going to speak a little bit different than your pastor, but in a different way. Sometimes we receive different things, and, and some of us hear different things, not good things, but just in a different way. And that's why we have guest speakers that come into our church and bless us. Uh, just let me tell you that God is doing some amazing things in our church. And, you know, last Sunday as I spoke on how Jesus asked Peter, can I borrow your boat? And in that one choice that Peter said, yes. And then in the second choice when he said, yes, I'll launch out into the deep. Those choices led to a ripple effect that not only changed Peter's life, but it, it changed Really, mankind with him again on the day of Pentecost, sharing the good news with people, and that, and the church being born and expanding into, well, here we are today. This morning, again, I'm encouraging you as you're listening to the message. Here's the challenge that I have for you: in an in an age of so much technology, that our mind can become so busy that we can engage, and then we, if we're not careful, we disengage and we think about other things. Then we engage, and then we disengage. You know, the Bible says that we take every thought captive, every thought captive, and make it subject to the mind of Christ. In other words, what we do is we watch what we're thinking, we watch what we're doing, and we focus on the Word of God during this time. So I want to challenge you this morning, maybe... Uh, I'm sure that your Bible is on your phone or you're taking notes on your phone or your iPad. But be cautious about what you do during the next few minutes because I believe that God has purposely brought a guest speaker to our church to be able to share the love of God through the message. And I don't want you to miss it. And sometimes if you're not careful, you'll say, I should have wrote that down. Or what again was that? So I want to encourage you to write it down if you have notes or if you have a piece of paper in front of you. Uh, and then, then later reflect on that and allow God through the Holy Spirit to begin speaking to you the Word of God. So not the espresso beans this morning, but the smooth drink of coffee, a different way of listening to the Word of God. My friend Robert Miller 
is the director over the church loan department of the Assembly of God in North Texas. Now, let me just tell you a few things before it comes. Robert Miller, no relations that we know of, but anyway, he's a Miller. Robert has pastored in Oklahoma before. And when the our church decided to do what we did in building the two buildings on the west end of our property, one being a coffee shop, I want to let you know that, that that's a stretch for our church. And then really when you think about it, you don't know a lot of churches that are doing that. And, and when a financial institution loans money, really what they're saying is we want to invest in you. And really what they're saying is we want to take a chance on you. And if you want to go another step, we believe in you. Everybody with me? I'm so proud that our our fellowship, the Assembly of God, they said, we would like to loan you money. And to some extent, more than most financial institutions would even loan you, being that we're a church. And when I sit down and met with Robert, he said, man, you got it going on here at the church. I think that maybe more pastors need to understand that they can be an outreach to their community through business. And I told Gwen when I went home, I said, wow, how encouraging it is to, to partner with people that believe in you. And so this morning, let's give a hand to Robert Miller as he comes and ministers the Word of God. Good morning. Good to be with you all today. Uh, as Pastor said, the weather has changed, but I do believe it's officially allergy season uh, in Texas. Uh, they have sure messed with me these past few days uh, with the wind and change in temperatures, but it is an honor to be here, be invited today by your pastor. I've enjoyed this past year uh, getting to know him and hear your story, and, and I can tell you your pastors love you. They love this church, and uh, they love the season that... Uh, that you're in right now, there, there's just excitement about what God is doing and and uh, what the future holds, and and I love to see that because now in my role I, I get to travel and and uh, visit a lot of churches and a lot of pastors, and, and and ministry can be tough. If you've not been in ministry, ministry has days and moments and seasons where uh, sometimes it's not as fun as others, and uh, so it's encouraging to to go and to visit with pastors who are excited about church who are excited about what God is doing and, and excited about the future and not just, oh, it's just another week, another Sunday. You know, I'm just going through it. Just I'm going to survive another week till, till Jesus comes again. And and uh, so so it's it's exciting to, to sit down with your pastor, see what God's doing here on your property and, and through the coffee shop. As pastor said, I, I pastored in Oklahoma. Uh, don't hold that against me. I am still a Sooner fan. Uh, that has not got out of me yet. Um, and so uh, I probably just divided myself against most of the room, but that's okay. Uh, I have the microphone still, and uh, but uh, we've been here about a year and a half now, and, and it's amazing what, how God ordains our steps and, and how God has these connections and appointments in our life. And uh, I was pastoring a church in Oklahoma. I was there about eight years. I was a bivocational pastor, and what that means is I, I worked a job outside of the church, and I've been in banking and finance, lending, uh, wealth management, those type of things for about 20 years. Uh, but I also pastored because I had a call of God in my life. 
but God never released me from my, my business side, my business world, if you will. Uh, so I did both of those for many years, and and I just uh, this is this is free. This isn't part of my message, but uh, maybe it's just encouragement for somebody today that you're working your job and and you feel like God has called you to something, and you know God's equipped you to do something. You're not real sure how that how that works out for the kingdom and how God's going to do that. So I was sitting uh, about 16 months ago, and I got a phone call uh, from uh, a gentleman who is in leadership with the Assemblies of God, and and he said, "Hey, I got your number from a pastor here in Texas," and and uh, he said, "We're." looking for a needle in a haystack. Those are the words he used. And I said, okay, well, what are, what are you looking for? And he said, well, he said, we're looking for four very specific things. And I said, okay, tell me what they are. And he said, we're looking for somebody who has a, a business management or a finance degree. And I said, well, I have a business management degree, graduated and, and received that. He said, okay, well, I'm looking, we're looking for somebody who has uh, banking and, and lending experience. And I said, well, I've been doing it for 20 years. That's, that's my background. I've, I've been in banking and finance and uh, commercial and residential. I've done all kinds of things. And he said, okay. He said, well, we're looking for somebody with pastoral connections or pastoral experience. And I said, okay, well, I've been pastoring. I was associate executive pastor for five years, and now I've been a lead pastor for eight years. And I said, so I have that. He said, okay, well, the, the fourth one I know is kind of difficult. He said, but we're looking for somebody with connections to the assemblies of God. And I said, well, I'm ordained with the Assemblies of God. My church is an Assemblies of God church. I would say I'm, you know, fit that as well. And it got real quiet. And he said, well, I think we just found our needle. Uh, and so I didn't know for all those years why God kept me bivocational, why I worked in the financial and the business realm, why I was pastoring. And 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 there was days and seasons of that that were, that were difficult. I was spread thin. Uh, but now I know it's why, you know, that God was preparing me for that phone call. For, for that appointment and to bring me here with you today to, to Texas, uh, of all places. So we picked up our family and moved about a year ago, uh, down here. We live in, uh, Waxahachie. I, it took me a while to get used to say that. Um, and, uh, we, we just absolutely love it, uh, here. And, and so now my new role is I get to travel around and help churches. I help pastors and, uh, do property stuff, financial things. I, I still get to preach most weekends, uh, and encourage our pastors. And so people kind of ask me, what, what do I do now? And I said, well, I'm a champion of pastors and I'm a champion of churches. That's what I do. I get to go around and just encourage and love on pastors and churches. And, and, uh, you know, sometimes as pastor said, something over and over and over again and then a guest speaker comes in and says the same thing and everybody's like wow and pastor's like but I've been saying that every week why don't they you know so sometimes it just takes another voice confirming what the pastor's been saying so you all know the pastor's not crazy it really is God uh, that's speaking to him uh, about all these things that uh, he's he's saying and, and that God is doing here and so uh, so that's what I get to do now and and so pastor asked me to come today he heard my my story and my testimony uh, through through another pastor that I got to share that with, and and I hope to share that with you today. Uh, that it'll be an encouragement today. It is good to have my family with me today. My wife uh, Haley of 20 years uh, is here. Honey, you just wave over there. We have four kids. Uh, we're in that season of life right now where we're uh, raising our family. So my oldest daughter is 16, Gabrielle over here. Uh, she'll she'll uh, be at Sagu here in a couple years. Hey man, she, she's always wanted to go to Sagu since like sixth grade, and it just so happened God brought us to Waxahachie, Texas, right before she has to go to college, so amen for that, all right, just extra blessings on top of uh, that there, and we have a nine-year-old daughter, she's back in uh, Children's Church, a seven-year-old son, uh, my only son, our only boy, uh, Samuel, he's back in uh, Children's Church, and then we have our little blessing, um, uh, baby that uh, came along, Elena, uh, Elena, do you want to come up here and say hi? 
Are you going to be shy? Do you want to come up here? I was told to introduce her as the big girl now. She's not the baby anymore. Uh, she'll be four in June. And uh, my, my wife is, is Hispanic, so all our kids are dark-haired, dark-complected, uh, beautiful children. And then we had this little blonde uh, surprise. Blonde hair, blue eye, uh, uh, just a... Uh, uh, a blessing from the Lord. So parents, uh, you all pray for us. We're drivers training right now and we're potty training right now at the same time. Uh, that's our house uh, right now. So uh, it's amazing. I can get anything done uh, with all that. So anyways, I, I want to, whatever, uh, I want to share my story with you all today. And, and like I said, hopefully it'll be an encouragement. It'll bring hope uh, and healing. It's amazing how God is using uh, my story, my past uh, to bring help today. And I believe this. I believe every one of us in this room today have a story. We have a story that, that God is writing, and, and, and I believe this, that God wants to use all of our stories to bring glory and honor to him. They're all for a purpose. They're for a reason, and God has this, this beautiful plan because God is a master storyteller, and God is writing a story with our lives. He's creating a story, and it doesn't matter what chapter you're in of your story right now. God is still writing it, and, and so I want to share mine with you today. If you have your Bibles, uh, you can turn to the book of Psalm 139. Uh, and I want to talk about God being the author of our story. Psalm 139, I want to start reading at verse 13. I should have said if you have your Bibles today, most of you have 98 versions of it in your hand on your device now. But it says this in verse 13. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Verse 14 says, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Now, I love this scripture because if you've got somebody that's special in your life, like they're special just in how they are, God created them that way. He made them so wonderfully complex. All right, don't nudge your neighbor or point at him, anything like that. It says your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. Listen to these words. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life, say that, every day. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. I love verse 17. How precious are your thoughts about me. They cannot be numbered. So let me get into my story here. My parents... uh divorced when I was three years old. I was an only child uh, by my parents, and uh, we were we were in a very difficult financial situation. My dad was a welder in the union. Uh, we lived in California, and they went on strike. And if you're in the union and you go on strike, that means you don't work, uh, and you don't get money, and you have to wait till the union figures out all the details and, you know, overcomes all the, the issues with the company. And so they went on strike, and so we were living uh, in a public campground in a tent next to a grape vineyard. And so at night, that's how my mom fed me as she would sneak over to the, the vineyard and steal grapes and, and, and come and feed me grapes. And, and I was potty trained outside by trees. And I mean, it was just a, it was just a different situation. That's how we lived because my dad was not going to go back to work, uh, until the union, you know, came off a strike. And, and so my mom had had enough. Uh, she said, we can't raise a son like this. We, we, there's just no way to raise a child. Uh, we can't afford anything. We can't do anything. And so my mom left him and took me, and we moved to Oklahoma. That's how we ended up there. My mom was from there. Her parents were there, my grandparents. And so that began this this journey of my life where I was raised by my mom. I was an only child, uh, and my mom is an incredible mother. 
to, to take care of me, to provide for me. She worked two jobs most of my childhood. She was a secretary uh, all day long uh, during the day, eight to five. She would leave there and she was a bartender at night. And uh, she would, you know, bartend and wait tables and do all those things. Uh, and it was also, I could have the latest and greatest Nikes and video game systems and uh, you know, sports equipment and everything that I did. My mom worked so hard to provide those things for me. And I can remember as being as young as like eight years old, coming home from school, making myself, you know, dinner, doing my own schoolwork, putting myself to bed. And my mom would kiss me at two in the morning when she'd come in. And, you know, she was up and out the next morning. She just worked so hard to provide for me. But my mom knew that I also needed more than that in life. She knew I needed a father. She knew I needed a father figure. She couldn't raise a young man by herself, she felt. And so that began a, a journey of my mom making some decisions in her life that she thought were for my benefit as well. And it resulted in my mom being married and divorced six times growing up. And, and so that was my childhood. I had a different stepdad, it seemed like, every month, and I, it was more spread out than that. But uh, it, it brought just a mess into our home. Uh, you know, I don't have to go into the details, but as you can imagine, those relationships weren't there for me. They were there for my mom. And uh, so it just brought mess into our home. It brought just worldly outside. It was just awful things that it brought into our home. And there was always conflict and strife and difficulty. And, and, and that was my upbringing. That was my childhood. And my mom had good intentions for it, uh, but it just did not go the way she planned. And so I came, I, I didn't go to church. Or we didn't, you know, every now and then my mom would send me with a neighbor. And that was just to give her a break, probably. You know, uh, we, you know, you heard that problem. Like, I have, a, I have a drug problem. I was drugged to church. I was drugged by our neighbors. They went to a, a Christ, Christian church, and they were uh, worship leaders at that church. And, and so all I remember is when I would go to church with them, they had a station wagon. And back then, their station wagon, the third row seat, faced out the back. You remember those cars? And so since I was the youngest, I sat in that little seat in the very back on top of the spare tire and just watched out the back window. And they lived like an hour away, so it was a long drive there. And since they were on staff there, we were there all day long. That's all I remember. It was just all day. It was just all day at church, all the time. And then they got me up there and made us sing with the kids' choir and things like that because we went. That's all I remember. But I don't remember why we went. I don't know anything about God. I didn't remember, you know, stories about God. I didn't have a knowledge uh, that much of God growing up. And so 18 years old, uh, by God's grace, I graduated high school. I was ready for college. And that's when I got my first job at a bank. And uh, it was in the big city. I grew up in a smaller town. I had to go to Tulsa, Oklahoma. It was about an hour away to the big city and uh, to do training for this for this big bank. And so I got this job. I show up to this training class and there's 12 women and this 18 year old kid in my training class. 18-year-old young man. I, I liked my odds. I mean, this was good. I was getting branched out into the world and and uh, there was one seat open next to me. And we had started, the facilitator started the training, and next thing you know, there's this commotion and door and keys jangling and, and just making noise, somebody coming in. And there was one seat next to me, and I remember seeing this dark-headed, beautiful young lady walk in the door, and my first thought was, there's a seat next to me. And that's now my wife of 20-plus years. Uh, that's how we met. <clears throat> have to forgive me for my allergies here. So that was the first just uh, miraculous thing that happened in our life. God, God brought her there. We were in the same training class, and, and we began to talk, and she wouldn't leave me alone, and I wanted to go on dates, and okay, that probably wasn't all the truth, but uh, 
Find out she was a good AG church girl. She grew up in Assembly of God Church, attended Assembly of God Church. Parents was, just came from a good family. Have no idea uh, why she liked me at all. Uh, but I got to tell you this story. It was so funny. The first time I had, I had to go meet her parents, right? You guys remember that stage, going to meet your, your parent, her parents for the first time? And we get to the door, meet, meet her parents, and she walks in. Her dad stops me at the door. And her dad's such a, a kind of a mild mannered, kind of quiet guy. And he stops me at the door and he says these words to me that I'll never forget. He says, it would be real good if you would go to church with us this Sunday. Now, dads of daughters, that's great advice. Right in the beginning, get it out there. And, and can I just tell you, I didn't know a lot. I was a dumb 18-year-old kid, and, and I didn't know a whole lot. But I did know this. When he said that, it wasn't one of those like, optional, like if you feel like it, if it's convenient, if you ever just decide to, you could come to church with us. It was one of those like, boy, if you ever want to see my daughter again, you'll have your tail with us in church this Sunday. So I got it. I said, yes, sir. I'll go to church. Well, I'll be there. She's obviously worth it. And uh, so I went to church with them and it wasn't too many visits into it that I, uh, I gave my life to the Lord. And uh, I still remember Praise God for that. I, I still remember her parents liked to sit in the balcony for some reason, and the church had a, had a balcony. We were sitting up there, and I didn't know all the pastor tricks, you know, the, of the trade at that time. The pastor preached this message. It was so good, and <clears throat> he said, you know, if you want to receive this this love of Jesus Christ that, that we talked about this morning, just raise your hand. Oh, okay, I can do that. I raised my hand. I'll take that. Well, then he did that next pastor trick that we do, and he said, okay, if you raised your hand, you got to come to the front. I didn't know what that looked like. I, my foot was in a boot. I had, had injured my ankle doing something. And I thought, oh, I, can, I still remember to this day the argument I had with, with God now of going, I'm not walking down there. It's time for lunch. People are going to laugh at me. They're going to know all my story, my business, what's wrong with me, why I'm coming to the front. It's embarrassing. And it, what seemed like a 30-minute argument it was probably a 30-second argument before I surrendered and went down to the altar uh, and gave my life to the Lord. But my life has never been the same since. And I thank God for that decision. And so six months later, uh, we decided to get engaged. Uh, we didn't take long. We were young. We were ready to get married. And, and so six months later, we got engaged. We set a wedding date that was another six months out. And uh, so we were moving fast. And so my mom, this is where it gets good. My mom made contact with my dad. I was off at college, and my mom and I talked almost every day, or at least uh, every few days. And I couldn't get a hold of her, of her for a whole week. And I finally got a hold of her, and I said, Mom, where in the world have you been? She said, I've been in California. So what in the world are you doing? You don't travel. You don't go anywhere. I, what are you doing in California? And she said, are you sitting down? And I said, why? She goes, I found your dad. I said, what? Why? And she said, well, you're getting married. It's his only son. And, uh, you know, she said, I don't care if you want to have anything to do with him or not, but he needs to be at your wedding. He needs to be a part of that. You know, he needs to see his son get married. I said, okay, whatever, that's fine. And uh, she said, you can decide how you want it to go from there. And, and so here we are, 15 years, uh, not knowing my dad. My dad's back in my life. He didn't pay child support. He never called. I did not know him. I did not know him growing up. Knew nothing about him. Had some old pictures, and, and that was about it. But here's what I realized. This is not how I thought my story was going to go. I have this new exciting time in my life. I'm preparing for marriage. I have a, a beautiful fiance. But I knew this. I was a new Christian. And I knew this, that God was writing a story in my life all of a sudden. And it was all because God loves me. And your story that God is writing is a result of God's love for you. Because God has this amazing love for us. that He's, he's always writing our story. And he's this master storyteller. And he's creating stories of our life. And I'm convinced of this, that no matter what you go through, no matter what your past looks like, no matter what you're going through right now, no matter how bad things have been to this point, nothing, say that with me, nothing 
can separate us from the incredible love of God. Nothing can separate us from that because he loves us so much. And I believe that God is the author of our stories. And God has this history, doesn't he, of turning messes into masterpieces, of turning difficult things that were meant for evil, meant for bad, and turning them into something great. I mean, he has a history of of taking our brokenness and and our poor choices and our sins and redeeming them and forgiving them and and using our story for good. You you know, uh, uh, is it Lisa? Thank you. Uh, You you stole my thunder a little bit this morning at the end. Not really. Uh, I planted it that way. I didn't do that either. But I turned 40 recently. Just a few months ago, I turned 40. And I've had perfect eyesight my whole life. And I started noticing, like, at night, and especially when I was trying to read in the, in the dark, you know, lighting and, and stuff, I, I was having some issues. And, and so my wife has worn glasses her whole life, and, and so she was going to the eye doctor one day. And I said, well, let me just go with you. Let me, let me just get a test, you know, because they say at 40, uh, your eyes start changing, like that's a magic day or something. And so sure enough, my eyes had changed some. And he recommended I get some glasses, not all the time, but just to wear for those certain times when I was having trouble. And can I tell you, I still remember getting that pair of glasses and putting them on and going, oh my gosh, I thought I've had perfect vision this whole time. And now I can see things so much differently. I mean, it it was amazing. And you alluded to that at the end of worship uh, uh, today. And so here's the challenge I have for us today. And she's already hit that so perfectly is we have to look at our story through God's eyes through a new set of lenses, because too many times we we look at our lives like this. Have you seen the horses that do horse racing? They wear those blinders. Why do they do that? So they don't get out of their lane. So all they do is focus on one foot in front of them, what they're dealing with right now, that next piece of dirt. And they put those blinders on so they can't see what else is happening in the world around them. And I think that's how we get. We get kind of, woe is me. We get kind of pity party and and my life is so bad. And all we do is just focus on, on, on the circumstances that we're going through. And we don't recognize that God is looking at us through a different set of lenses. And when we see a mess, God sees opportunity. When we see struggle, God sees a victory, right? When we see something that's meant for bad, God is up there going, oh, this is going to be good. So we have to look at things through a new set of lenses and recognize that God has a bigger plan and a clearer picture for our story than we can ever comprehend or understand. I never knew what God would accomplish. I, I was happy with what he had already done at this point in my life, you know, bringing, bringing me a wife, bringing my dad into my life. And, and I'm convinced of this, that everything we go through, and everything that happens to us that God wants to use for a divine purpose. He's got, he's got a purpose in everything. God's not up there just rolling dice and just hoping things work out for us, right? There's a divine purpose in everything that happens. And too many times today we feel like a victim. And I hear people saying, oh, everything's against me. Everyone's against me. I can't catch a break. But if you'll look to God and trust in his plans and purposes that he is writing your story. So let me encourage you this morning, no no matter where you are in this journey of life that you're going through, no matter what chapter of the story, God's not done with you yet. God's not done. He's still writing your story, and he has an amazing story planned for you. I love uh, what Jeremiah 29, 11 says, and I think we have uh, that on the board for you as well. It says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Look at that. what that says. They're plans for what? Isn't that amazing? They're plans for good not for disaster, to give us a future and a hope. You know, I wonder how many times do we actually sometimes believe the scripture that we read? And this is one of those scriptures that a lot of people can just quote, right? Oh, God has good plans for us. I know the plans I have for you. And and, and we quote this. But how many of you know sometimes we can get in the way of those plans? 
we can get in the way of what God's doing in our lives, and it's because of those choices that sometimes lead to some pretty disastrous consequences, you know, because we get in the way, we mess things up, and it's because of those choices that our stories get interrupted. And so here it was, my dad was back in my life, he's, he's attending my wedding, I think we have a picture of that, of my dad and I at my wedding together, you can see uh, uh, us together there, 20, that was 20 years ago, uh, just a few months, wow, uh, anyways, uh, life goals right there, get back to that weight, praise God. Um, I was a new believer, right, I, I'm a new Christian, but how many of you know, as soon as you become a Christian, you don't have it all figured out, right, and so I still had hurt. My dad's in my life, but I had disappointment. I mean, it brought up all these emotions and, and awful thoughts and things that I went through, and they were all his fault, right, for not being there in my life. And, and so I have to protect myself. We go into protection mode. I have to protect my mom because that was my job. I, I, I was a mama's boy. I had to protect my mom. But now I had a new wife I had to protect, right, from all this, this baggage that was going to come with this, with this relationship. And, and I didn't know what was going to come out of that, but I knew it would be painful. That's all I knew. It was going to be painful. Our future was going to be difficult. But can I tell you, I'm proud to tell you today that my dad and I have a great relationship. Uh, we picked up like we didn't miss a day. And uh, he's there for me when I need him. He's so supportive and, and proud of me. He loves me. He loves my wife. He loves his grandkids. He's genuine. He's caring. Uh, I learned that there's several characteristics I have that I got from him. Good or bad, Pastor, you know, with your boys, they got some things from you. It is what it is, right? Uh, but one of the things is I, I hum a lot. Like if I'm just sitting, I'll, I'll go, hmm, hmm. I'm usually humming the tune to a song or, you know, hmm, hmm, you know, whatever. But when I got around my dad, he hums all the time. So it's his fault. It drives me crazy because he hums like that all the time. Uh, but I love him. I'm so thankful for God bringing him back in my life. And, and can I just give you the key, though? If you don't hear anything else I say today, uh, listen to this for just a moment. The only way that my dad and I could have the relationship we have today is because of one important detail. And I promise you, if you'll get this, I promise it'll relieve so much stress and anger and disappointment in your life. And here it is. I chose to forgive him. I chose to forgive him. It wasn't easy. I was 19 years old now, newly married. How many of you know I could have held him to the fire for some things? Dad, I'm, I'm just married. I need a car. We need some money. We need a place to live, right? I mean, you owe me. That could have been my stance. You missed my whole childhood. You didn't make a ball game. You weren't there for those, those steps in a young man's life that, that you need a man there for. You need a father there for. You missed all of that. My mom worked two jobs because you didn't send us a dime. I mean, I could have really held my dad to it. But you know what? I chose to forgive him. No conditions. No negotiation. I didn't wait for him to apologize. I didn't wait for him to beg to have me back in his life. I didn't wait for him to apologize for not being there for me as a kid. I just chose to forgive him and look ahead and not behind. And maybe some of you this morning are dealing with some hurt from your past that's challenging, it's difficult, and I can't relate to that. My story is my story and yours is yours. I'm not saying, I'm not trying to compare any of those things. But I'm just saying unforgiveness is a, is a deep and bitter seed that gets down into your spirit. And it prevents God from doing some things in your life because you're hanging on to that unforgiveness. And you're waiting for that person to make things right or to, to get even or to apologize or, or for them to feel the pain that you felt. And you're waiting for that and then you'll forgive. 
Can I tell you the unforgiveness that you're holding is destroying you a lot more than whatever they did to you is destroying them now? Because more than likely they've moved on. Because you've got to forgive. You've got to let that go. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. And I, I love to read the Bible, and, and there's so many scriptures in the Bible that when you read them, right, they're like, yes, amen, that's good. You know, you want to put it on your mirror or tweet it or put it on your wall or whatever, right? But how many you know sometimes there's scriptures, you read them, and you're like, whatever. I don't like what that says. Or you read it and you go, ouch, that hurts a little bit. Ephesians 4 is like that, because listen to what it says. It says, get rid of, everybody say that, get rid of. Listen to what it tells us to get rid of. Bitterness, rage, oh, it's up here, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Okay, so that's good, get rid of those, right? We're all in agreement. But then it says, instead, so here's the alternative, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, and then this is the ouch part, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Ouch. Because I find this interesting. 20 years now being a Christian, 13 years in ministry, we Christians believe in this miraculous thing that, that God provided called forgiveness, mercy, grace through Jesus Christ. We believe that God became man, Jesus came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died on a cross in our place, placed in a tomb for three days, raised again three days later, victorious, and that all we have to do is call on the name of the Lord and ask him to come into our heart and forgive us of our sins. We're saved. We believe that, right? I should have got some amens. I'll amen myself because that was good. So we believe this, this crazy thing that God provided us. And we believe that all we do is do those little steps and we're forgiven, that everything's forgiven, that our sins are gone. So if we believe that so much, why as Christians do we find it so hard to ex extend the same level of forgiveness to other people who have hurt us? If we really believe that God forgave us with no conditions, no punishment, puts our past behind us, then we have to do the same to others. So we can't allow our story to be interrupted by our own ways. Because God can change how our story ends. You know, I, as a father of, of four children now, I'm amazed at, at the challenges every day and the excitement every day. But I read these things that said more than 20 million children live in a home without a father. 63% of youth who take their own lives are from fatherless homes. 90% of homeless children are from fatherless homes. 85% of children with behavior disorders are from fatherless homes. You get the picture here. 71% of high school dropouts, fatherless homes. 70% of youth in state institutions are from fatherless homes. 72% of the U.S. population feels that fatherlessness is the most significant family and social problem facing America today. One organization classified it. If It said if fatherlessness were classified as a disease, it would be an epidemic worthy of a national emergency. So you think about that. You read those statistics. And when I read those things, I have every reason. I have every excuse to make decisions in my life that are not honoring to God. Right? You see people do it all the time. They blame it on their childhood. They blame it on not having a father. Right? They, they make the excuses that I didn't have a father growing up. And, and I have every excuse to blame it on that. To blame my life on that. To make decisions that aren't honoring to God. And I see this all the time as I minister to young men who are broken and hurting. They're lashing out at the world. 
But here's the key. I refused to be a statistic. I refused to accept that generational mantle that was placed on my life and passed down to me. I'm a first-generation Christian. My, my mom's father passed away when my mom was four years old. He was a drunk driver and had an accident. He died in the accident. And somebody else died in the accident. And something happened in that. My family will not talk about it, but I can just imagine somebody from a church showed up, tried to say something nice to bring comfort to the family, and they said something that didn't go the way they meant it. How many of you know sometimes we say things and we hurt people and we don't mean it? But I'm sure somebody said something about what happened, and my grandma refused to step foot in a church for the rest of her life. Didn't raise her kids in church, anything. And so I'm a first-generation Christian, as far as I know, in my family. And so when I was getting married at 18, 19 years old, they knew what all my mom had done. You know what people spoke in my family over my life? Oh, you're going to end up just like your mom. It's not going to make it a year. You're going to be divorced. It's not going to last. All those generational things were spoke over me. At the same time. And so we have to be mindful of that. But here's the, here's what turned it around for me. Second Corinthians 5.17. Anyone who belongs to Christ is a new person. The old life is gone. And a new life has begun. We sang about it this morning. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. You see, the person you were in the past does not dictate your future story. Aren't you thankful for that? The person you were in the past does not dictate your future story. My past doesn't dictate who I am today. My past is past. And somebody here just needs to let your past go. I won't sing the Frozen song, let it go. But sometimes you have to make a choice to live out the life that God has for you now, not deal with whatever he's brought you from in the past. You don't have to be a statistic. You don't have to be like your father. You don't have to be defined by your past. If you're in Christ, all things are new. And I stand here today as a living and breathing testimony of what only God can do. My wife and I say those two words all the time, only God. Only God. And that's what I'm praying for. I'm praying for you to have some only God moments where you can't take any credit for what's happened. That all you have to do is step back and say, wow, only God could have performed that miracle. Only God could have made that happen. Only God could have opened that door. Only God could have provided for that need. Only God. Because I stand here today, I came from brokenness. I should be one of those statistics. There's no reason today that I should be married and be a godly husband now for 20 years. There's no way in the world. I didn't have a fatherly example growing up that I could be a godly father to four amazing children. But only God can put your past behind you and make all things new. So let me finish the story. God can and will change how your story ends. I don't only have a great relationship with my dad today, but as Paul Harvey used to say, here's the rest of the story. So I'm married. I've moved on out. I'm building a, a, a life with my wife. I'm also having a relationship with my father. We're talking. But my mom also started talking to my dad. Just kept talking. They kept talking. And three years later, my mom and dad got remarried. They've been happily married now for 15, 16 years, whatever, whatever that math is. Only God, guys. Only God can do that. They hadn't talked for all those years. Now, you know how I told you I didn't make my dad pay for all those years? I can't say the same for my mom. <laughs> She's making him pay. No. I'm kidding. They're both retired. They live in Southern California now. They, matter of fact, today they're leaving on a six-month RV trip. They got an RV, and they're traveling all around the United States for six months, and uh you know, only God, only God can do that. 
Only God can restore and reconcile my family together. Now God can use our story to, to bring hope and encouragement to other families today. And, and I think I have a picture uh, of us all together. At uh, They say it's the happiest place on earth. I say it's the most expensive place on earth, uh, Disney World. <laughs> If you've ever been there, you left broker and you ever knew what uh, you could spend. Uh, but God is working in our lives. He has a ple- pleasing and perfect will and plan for our lives. And he's working in a thousand ways that we're not even aware of. God is working these details out. And everything in your past, listen to this, is preparation for something in your future. Everything you've gone through has prepared you because God doesn't waste anything. God doesn't waste anything. There's not a setback that God's not preparing a comeback for. There's not a trial that you go through that there's not a testimony prepared to come from that. Because God works all things together for good. and He'll leverage everything, every experience, every mistake, every knowledge. He'll leverage it for his good. So here's how I'll close today. Tell God's story. Tell God's story. I love Peter's story that you preached about yesterday, past, or last week. I, I love Peter's story because I can relate to Peter. He had open mouth insert foot syndrome. Peter was the least likely to be used by God. He just said things and then he had to figure it out, you know, how to back it up later. I mean, I, I love Peter's story because God, he was a fisherman. He was a rough, tough, rugged fisherman. And God went out there and told him that he was going to now be a fisher of men. And God used Peter's story to stand up on the day of Pentecost and, 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 and employ these people, implore these people to, to come and follow Christ. And so, listen, there's not only incredible benefits that come when we become a new creation. We're promised a home in heaven, a mansion. How many are ready for that? Streets of gold. Heaven is promised where there's no more sickness, no more tears, no more Facebook drama. Come on, somebody. Heaven is a wonderful place. We have all these benefits that come when we become a Christian. But can I tell you? It comes with an incredible responsibility now. Right now, when you become a Christian, you take on the mark to share your story because we're all ministers. There's people that you're going to reach and talk to that pastor will never reach and talk to. They're never going to step foot in these doors or the coffee shop down the the street. They're never going to do that, but they're going to interact with you. And you know what? Somebody in your life is going to go through exactly what you went through. And God's going to connect your paths and give you a supernatural connection. And they're going to be talking about how broken their marriage is. And you're going to go, but God, God restored my marriage. God brought us victory. Let me tell you what God did for us. And God is going to give you an opportunity to use your story. Too many times we think to be used by God, we got to memorize three points. And we got to, you know, be able to quote the sinner's prayer and all these things. Tell what God has done in your life. Tell your story. Listen, too many times we think evangelism is just inviting people to church. Easter's coming up in a few weeks, and every church does invite cards and invite people and invite people. Can I tell you, that's awesome, but that's not evangelism. Get them here. Pastor will preach the word. He'll give them an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ. But there are people that will never give that opportunity. But they're going to need your story. They're going to need your connection. They're going to need you in their lives. You know, one of the bad things I had to work through, I had some bad theology as a young Christian. And we talked about our heavenly father. You know, we, we use that term all the time. Well, every time I heard about God being our father, you know what I thought of? My earthly father who was no good at the time in my life. He wasn't there. And so I had, I had a struggle growing up in my faith of hearing about our heavenly father and our godly father. But let me just tell you how awesome God is. So remember the father of the, of the daughter that stopped me at the door and told me I better go to church? So he, became, he has three daughters, and I became his, his only son. And he's like a father to me. I call him dad. Amazing man of God. We have a great relationship. We're close. So God gave me that. 
Then God restores my father back into my life. And remember I told you at church I got saved and made that walk to the altar and all those things. The pastor of that church took me under his wing and became my spiritual father. So you're talking about where God does exceedingly abundantly above all we may ask or ever think. I went from none to three. How many know God is good? So don't limit God with your miracle, with your breakthrough, whatever you're believing for today, because God can work out all things for his good. Can I just pray, Pastor, this morning? I'll turn it over to you. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for this amazing church. I thank you for every person that you've brought here today, God. I believe it was an accident, happenstance, chance, or luck. You brought them here for a divine purpose. And God, you're speaking today by the Holy Spirit. And God, I know they won't remember everything I said or much of what I said, but God, if there's one thing that spoke to every single heart in life this morning, God, would you just confirm that today in their hearts? Would you remind them how much you love for them, how much you care for them, what an amazing plan you have for their lives? God, if there's somebody here that's hanging on to some hurts and disappointments and unforgiveness, God, may even today there be breakthrough in that area of their life. May even today, God, may they open up their heart for you to speak to them about forgiving about letting some things go, about moving forward. God, maybe there's some people here today and they're not sure what the next chapter in their story looks like, but God, they're desperate for a breakthrough. Maybe they're going through a difficult time, a difficult season. God, may I pray even today for victory and breakthroughs. God, I pray today is the day. Today is the day. Today is the day. God, I pray if there's somebody here who doesn't know you this morning, they've not made that decision to accept the greatest gift that's ever been given. God, may I I just... Ask today, God, that you'll speak to their heart. And God, that they won't leave this place today without speaking to me, speaking to pastors, speaking to somebody. And finally, God, I pray for every person in this room for divine appointments this week. Maybe even today at lunch, there's going to be somebody that they connect with and they can share their story with. I pray for boldness. I pray for courage. God, I pray that we get so in tune with your voice and your spirit, God, that we follow exactly what you'll have us to do. We say exactly what you have us to say. We go exactly where you tell us to go. I pray for all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.